Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Let's Chat Careers Advice. I'm Charlotte Lever and I'm delighted to be back alongside my co-host Scott Keys. Hello. Where we're recording episode five of our latest season. Scott's in the studio in London and I'm in our PwC Newcastle office. So we're really pleased to say that we're joined by Carl Sizer today, a partner and head of our regions in the UK. So today we'll be discussing a topic that's becoming increasingly important to many people out there and particularly candidates who are exploring career options, finding a purposeful career in the jobs of the future. We'll be discussing what a purposeful career means, growth in the regions and what the future landscape may look like for the candidates. Carl, it's really great to have you here today. Can we start by you just introducing yourself? Yep, certainly. And look, thank you very much for having me today. It's uh, it's great to be here. So a little bit about me. I am very much uh, what is known within PwC as a lifer within the firm. So uh, 24 years now within the organisation. So I left straight out of Birmingham University back in 1999. So I suspect before a number of people that are listening were even born, which uh, always makes me feel pretty old. Um, straight into our banking practice into London. Uh, and that was uh, a team that I've been a part of for, for many years and had some fabulous clients over that time. Uh, I spent a couple of years in New York, uh, which was brilliant, back in 2004 uh, through to 2006, uh, a great time. I would say uh, work hard and play hard in just about equal measure, and I won't tell you which way around it probably skewed, but it was a, it was a great time, it must be said. Um, and then I came back into the UK, uh, having got married to uh, my wife, Anna, shortly thereafter, and made partner in 2009. Uh, and then since then, uh, it's been quite a, a whirlwind, actually, of, of more banking-type activities. Um, I moved up into our Midlands practice um, for about six years ago now, actually, uh, where I led our Midlands financial services team uh, and then became uh, the business unit leader for our banking audit practice across all of the UK. Uh, and then three years ago, joined the management board, uh, where I'm now head of regions and then also responsible for a lot of what we do around ESG, which is obviously where a lot of the conversation will go today. Well, wow. what an introduction that is. <laughs> no, lovely. Thanks for sharing your background with us, Cole. Um, that would be very insightful for the listeners and people who do listen later on. Um, but so, Cole, I'm, on, I'm sure you've listened to our previous pods uh, in the past. Uh, and what we expect the first question to be. Uh, so could you please give us your, or mind sharing your most human moment that you've experienced recently, please? Yeah, so um, so I'll go to sort of family. So I've got two girls, uh, 13 and 10. And uh, it, it's always quite fun. Like, like young kids often like to do, they like to Google uh, very regularly. And so they, they Google me quite often. <laughs> And so they, they bring up my uh, my picture. And unfortunately, I've done quite a lot of videos over recent months. Um, and a lot of those come up online. And so they, they love to pull them up. And then they take the mickey out of me because I wave my hands around quite a lot, actually, while I'm speaking. And so they, they always quite like impersonating me as they're doing it. But it certainly brings you, you back down to earth, having done some of these videos for things like Commonwealth Games and other things. They, they quite quickly bring you back down. But what is actually really quite cool about that is uh, they're talking a lot about this topic of sustainability when they go into school. There's a lot of those things coming up all the time. And they love the fact that I'm actually involved in it. As in, and, and one of the great stories, actually, they were, they were saying the other day, uh, we've got an electric car. 
Daddy, surely you can fix the electric charging issues across the UK. You know, this is the job you do, isn't it? Surely you can make that that sorted. What, what's your problem? Unfortunately, I don't have quite that degree of influence, of course, but it was nice to think that they thought that was the case. I can relate to that because we, myself, we've just got a new electric car, um, not knowing how they really work that well. We, the, the miles were dropping and dropping, was on the motorway and my daughter. Was, so if we run out of electric, what happens? I did not have an answer. I had no answer. <laughs> I, I don't know. We need to find an electric point to charge the car. Did he find an electric point? Yeah, frantically Googling. We pulled over, I must say, on Google to find the charging pods. But yeah, but I've not experienced that yet. I'm running out of electricity in the car. It, it is a new thing, that whole sort of range fear that, that we that we can get. So it's definitely, it's a real thing actually, and a real issue that we're we're going to have to grapple with from a UK perspective. I'll keep tabs on what your your your, your um, clients are with next then. I want to be helpful. Um, so now moving on to the topic for this episode, you briefly mentioned it. Um, you know, let's get things started by discussing purpose. So, so what does purpose mean to you, and how do you find purpose in your day-to-day work here at PwC? Yeah, so, so look, there, there's a number of different ways you can look at this. You know, as a firm, we have a purpose statement: build trust in society, solve important problems. They're big words. They're they're core to what we do. They've been core to us for many many years, actually, as as an organisation. But but I think what it really comes down to is what do we do on a day-to-day basis that starts to make a difference? And actually, quite often you can you can breeze past a lot of day-to-day jobs not thinking that they actually align with a, a core purpose and a core activity. You know, if I think about my background in the audit world, actually that's very purposeful because what are we really trying to do here is we're trying to help money go into the capital markets. If we didn't exist as auditors, then people wouldn't be willing to put money into the capital markets. Therefore, corporates wouldn't be able to invest. And if corporates don't invest, then you don't actually get change and things to happen. So, you know, there's there's a core piece just to that alone. But actually, the way the world is evolving and the nature of the work we're doing now, it's becoming more and more purposeful because we are getting engaged in very different topics. You know, whether it be helping with social care in certain of the councils, whether it be thinking about social housing and how they can be retrofitted to deal with some of these green issues, um, many different things like that that start to make the clearer link between what purpose is and our day-to-day work. But I think that's just something that, you know, you actually have to dig beneath the surface of a, of a contract which understands the work we're doing. And actually, well, what does it really mean to be doing this work and what is the ultimate outcome that it's going to deliver? And is it, is it fair to say that as, the, as we go along this journey, we're, we're still learning every day? Oh, w- without a doubt. I mean, it's, it's actually one of the things that I've loved about my 24 years now with a firm. You know, if I think back to day one, I had absolutely no idea I'd be here 24 years later. Let's be really <laughs> quite clear. I mean, uh, like a number of people in our firm, you've sort of got this three-year time horizon with chartered accounting qualifications, yeah. which sort of gives you a, a time horizon to go towards. But quite quickly, you can think, or oh, now what? Well, actually, the development journey I've been on over that whole time has enabled me just to keep growing and growing and growing. And actually, if I go back um, probably three three years ago, two and a half, three years ago, um, I hadn't really done much on the ESG agenda at all. Um, but I looked ahead and I could see how big a topic this was going to be. I was just about to go to Glasgow. So um, they had COP26 up in Glasgow, one of these big events that they have. And so I was going up there and I thought, well, if I'm going to go there and there's going to be all these great people that understand so much about this topic, I can't go there knowing nothing. So I spent 
a good amount of time, spoke a good solid couple of days, just really trying to get under the skin of the big issues, the things that are really impacting um, the world, the planet. But it, it took a bit of my own sort of, I, I have to get into this. Mm. I can't just wait and expect others to deliver it to me. I have to immerse myself in it. But it does mean you're always developing, always learning, and always trying to get to what is the new thing, what is the future, and what are the things we've got to get behind. Okay, brilliant. No, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's interesting about it, that in your 26 years, did you say, that you're still educating yourself on a totally new topic that 20 years ago probably wouldn't have been something that you would have sort of considered even looking into. So it's, it's really interesting. I actually have an air source heat pump in my new house. You're, you're new. Well done. I know. I'm moving with the time. Yeah, it means we've got no radiators. So it's this really bizarre thing. But we, it's kind of my pride and joy. Every time anyone comes to the house, I show them it. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite geeky, by the way. I think just thinking about kind of the student and the experience recruitment market, I guess, that Scott and I, you know, the, the podcast focuses on careers. I think we're definitely seeing that shift in terms of people wanting a really purposeful career now and they really want to make an impact and that's from you know people coming straight out of school all the way up so just thinking about from your opinion Carl what advice would we give to someone who's sort of thinking that they want to be they're desperate to do more and they want to make sure that they're impacting their communities and their environment even more than they currently are what what would we tell them to do Look, I think a lot of it does play into trying to forward cast. So really think about the years ahead and, you know, your, your career ahead. Where do you think the world is going to go and evolve? And what sort of skills, uh, knowledge, experience are you going to need to be, if you want a better face, fit for the future? Because actually the world is changing so, so fast. What, what you can't do when you're coming into the market is just expect that it's all going to come to you. I think you've got to take ownership for some of these things, much like I did with ESG, much like I'm now having to do with Gen AI. You know, actually, that's going to have such a big impact from a technology perspective on what we do day to day that if I just said, you know what, let's just wait, see what happens, let it roll, I, I will be left behind. So I think for people coming in now, try and forecast and think about what is it that the world is going to need? What are the skills that are going to be needed around that? And how do you start to educate yourself so that you're then relevant for that marketplace? You know, the, the world of engineers, the, the need for data scientists, for um, technology consultants is only going to grow. And so let's try and think about how do you direct time and attention to those areas, maybe less so, more, more so than some of the others that maybe are starting to, to just diminish now. And you mentioned there about kind of tech that's emerging that we probably hadn't heard of 10 years ago. In terms of the tech that's emerging to do with sort of sustainable business, what what sort of things do you think that the the student should start looking out for? So, um, actually, one of the one of the interesting things is actually technology from a climate perspective is that is going to be absolutely critical to us solving for net zero. We do um, a state of climate tech report uh the law every year pretty much i think it is it's the one of them is called the net zero future 50 and what it does is it looks at all of those emerging technologies that we think are going to be critical to helping to deliver to net zero you know whether that be things like how um battery uh capabilities are going to evolve you know to stop you getting stuck in the motorway at some point you know actually just the other day tokyo um toyota announced they're doing a solid state battery that would double the length and the range of, of these cars. Now, that again requires 
engineers in that world in a lot of places and, and certainly very much aligned with what we do data is going to play a key role in the whole transition if you think about sustainability reporting as a lens the reporting agenda around sustainability is going to be what actually drives change you know it's the whole that whole old adage of what gets measured gets done right so if you understand what your carbon emissions are or what your water usage is and then you work out a target that you're aiming for you'll actually start to then move and transform towards that but i think that goes to the technology side because you need to get data in the right place you need to understand how all that flows through the systems and get to reporting on the back end so so technology is moving incredibly fast but you've got to try and stay on top of all of the different things coming through certainly around ai as well because it's going to be thinking about how it can evolve and and provide suggestions and ideas for for improvements so i'm just is it a good question you asked there because going back what 12 15 years ago you'd speak to someone who's very successful within the technology world. what should our um, younger generation be learning coding coding is the next big thing now it's completely gone mm. Um, with the, the next gen coming through, that's the question they want to know. What, what should I be studying? What should I be learning? But I think it's being inquisitive mm. from what you're saying, um, but also being at the forefront of technology and being open-minded with technology because it is moving so fast. Yep. Gen AI, as we know, it's evolving every single day. Um, do, you, do you think Gen AI will increase more risks with ESG? Um Interesting question. I think, um, look, without doubt, our people are going to have to try and move with the speed of the technology that's flowing through. That there's no doubt. You know, your point about coding before versus now. You know, actually, Gen AI, the the ChatGPT will just do the coding for you, right? So actually, the more important thing now is how good are you at writing prompts? Yeah. So you know, become yeah. a prompt scientist or whatever it might be that you need to become. But quite frankly, roll forward five years, you won't need one of those either. So it, it's. It's sort of that different that that dynamic that I think is is quite interesting to try and really work through. I, I think what it means is you have to be to your point about being inquisitive. That is key. You've got to try it out. You know, actually get stuck into Chat GBT and actually work out what does this thing do. Where does it where does it go wrong? Because actually, what we've seen is you can quite often get hallucinations, what's called hallucinations, where you'll put something into Chat GBT and that thing you get out will be complete rubbish. Yeah. Well, how do you, how do we introduce in society that bit of, of control, uh, the use of what we term responsible AI, so you know when it isn't actually doing what it should be doing? You know, actually, we might need a different brain set, which is someone that's really trying to act much more analytical and go, well, wait a minute, where is this not working? Where are the risks that are coming? Another one is around biases. Yeah. You know, the, the whole of the data sources coming into chat GPT at the moment are all from what is available today. Well, we know what is available today has a huge amount of bias in it just because of our history. Yeah. Well, that all that means is that that's going to get magnified and amplified as we go forward. So who's going to be the group that are going to be thinking about, well, where are those biases coming through that are just going to be reinforced through technology? So I think there's a whole bit around responsible artificial intelligence that is going to play through, and that means the trust bit of the debate for us is so important. Yeah, okay, no, brilliant, thank you. So we led on to a different question there. Uh, naturally, just come come out. But Charlotte, yeah, I'll pass pass next over to you. I think you've already touched on this actually, Carl. In terms of as a firm, you mentioned about net zero, and that obviously being one of our targets. Um, so I just wanted to explore a bit more from a candidate point of view. Again, we're just thinking that 
um, sustainability is really key for them and environmental impact obviously as well. So what as a firm are our goals around sustainability at the minute and how are we actually measuring how we're getting on with that? Yeah, so um, so look, our, our main goal is net zero by 2030, right? much like many other organisations. Uh, and we're on a pretty good path to that. Actually, I think we feel pretty good about being able to achieve that. Already, we have 100% of our electricity coming from renewable sources, uh, 93% of our energy coming from renewable sources. So as you would imagine, we still use some degree of gas power, or, or gas heating so you know that is not yet coming from a renewable source but we're on that road towards it so so our primary um sustainability credentials are looking quite good the the challenges we have um are in our supply chain so everyone that we are utilizing the scope what's termed scope three emissions that is one that we've got to really make sure we understand what all of our suppliers are really doing around their own um their own carbon emissions amongst other things and then the other one for us that's a challenge is travel. Um, it is the biggest user of carbon for us as an organization, whether that be trains, whether it be the car journeys we're making to clients, or of course, more significantly, the flights that we'll take around the world to service our clients and meet with others. So the travel piece is really quite a difficult one for us to go under the skin of. And there's no immediate obvious aspect where you're suddenly going to see planes electric planes flying they just don't have the range you, you, you won't worry about whether you stop in a motorway you'll be worried about whether you land in the sea so you know it's a slightly different challenge that that we've got to that we've got to face there so we're having to really think about um meaningful travel you know we had the benefit if you can see it that way as learning how to operate in a virtual world um through covid uh, that actually reduced our carbon emissions massively obviously pretty much that year it went down to almost zero but they have bounced back quite significantly, but they've not bounced back at the levels that we had back in 2019. And I think that's because we've learned that there's other ways of conducting business, of building relationships, of, of doing client activities. But I think we've got to keep that thought around meaningful travel and how we get that right. So it's a real focal point in terms of getting this in the right place, but there are some meaningful challenges there as to how do we, how do we cover that. I think the other thing I'd probably also say is we, we can go very easy on the ESG agenda to focus solely on the E, all on environment and just on climate and on carbon. But actually, as we are learning more and more, there's going to be a huge follow through on the S, the social side of this. And actually, a lot of the climate impacts are going to have a bigger social impact because, of course, as uh, the south of the, the planet gets hotter, as climate change really start to impact, you'll start seeing a lot more migration. Consequence of migration, you'll also then end up with social issues that will start to play through. So actually, we also try to make sure we're really kept focused, not just on the E, but on the S. So what are we doing around social mobility, which we have a big effort on in, in a number of our locations, you know, making sure our policies actually support social mobility. What do we do around uh, ethnic diversity, gender diversity, disability awareness, any of those sorts of angles to make sure we've got a fully fair and inclusive workforce. But in my mind, all of those things play into ESG more broadly. And I think that's really key for people here as well, because actually, I think you're right, the environmental impact, that's something we're all focusing on, but the social impact day to day, that's absolutely something that we all feel. So yeah, that's really interesting. Hard one to solve this. I'm sure our clients are grappling with the same thing as well in terms of the travel 
and actually that's a, it's a really interesting point you make there charlotte about um our clients and and it being a hard thing to solve one of the mantras we're trying to have as an organization is how can we be our own best credential for the services we want to provide so there's no point us saying to our clients we can solve your reporting requirements or we can try and solve some of your transformation requirements around carbon emissions if we ourselves are terrible so actually we always try to put ourselves right at the forefront of that and it's similar with the the social mobility the diversity side again we're wanting to be at the forefront of that that's why we've done a huge amount on social mobility it's something that kevin ellis himself has championed quite significantly with some of the investments we've made in the places like bradford into cardiff into Belfast, which is about us trying to make sure we're opening up opportunities for every bit of society and giving them the chance to grow, build and develop. But I think it plays to our clients because what we're really trying to do is mirror what our clients are seeing and doing and being themselves. That way they want to associate. So as head of regions, uh, Cole, what would you say is your vision for the regions and what do you believe has contributed to the regional growth we've seen so far? Obviously, in the in the press um, in October, um, John Paul Barker released a, um, a statement around the growth for Cardiff. Yep, Are you able to share some more insight around that with us? Yeah, sure. So, so I think actually the regional agenda for the UK is really interesting right now, and the reason it's really interesting is because it is a good way of looking at some of the challenges facing the UK more broadly, not just the PwC as a firm, but for the UK, the the government. Um, for a number of years now has had this this phrase of levelling up. Um, the the shadow government um, and, and depending on what, what happens over the next year are also talking about devolution. So this devolution of power out of London and into the regions, again, to help with levelling up. We as a nation have greater concentration of economic wealth in our capital city than almost any other country in the world. And you contrast it with someone like Germany where they've devolved so much power. You've got all of these um, cities around Germany that have got really strong economic growth and, and capability. We have got a massive concentration in London. So what I see a lot of the regional value here is it's very much aligning up with what I think government policy is now and probably will continue to be for a period of time, which is about how do we get uh, fairness and equality across the entirety of the UK. Now, in order to do that, one of the things I believe is that you can't just say we want Manchester to grow or we want Birmingham to grow. You have to say, grow in what? What is it that Manchester or Birmingham or Newcastle or Edinburgh or Glasgow or Cardiff are going to be famous for? Because there has to be a reason. You can't just say we want you to grow. So if you take Manchester as an example, we've put... Uh, a big significant focus around technology there right so that's where a lot of our technology growth has been we've committed to a thousand new technology graduates going into that bit of the into the business that is because actually there's a big hub of technology capability sitting in manchester similarly if you go elsewhere around the country and you take cardiff as an example cardiff's got some really quite interesting um, demographics about it but also it's quite an interesting location because very concentrated it's a devolved nation which means it has certain amounts of power there's a really strong relationship that we have with the local university you've got businesses um around there like the ministry of defense um like um other organizations that play a lot in that sort of defense 
and cybersecurity area, say GCHQ, for example, is down there. That means that defense and cybersecurity are quite important. So we'll look to build some of our cyber capabilities down there. And we've got a partnership with Cardiff University to actually work with them to get the, the cyber graduates coming out and we'll then give them a job. So it's trying to make each regional location known for something. And when you know it for something, you can then invest in it. Which makes absolute sense to to, to do that and obviously to mimic in a way what Germany have done. Mm. Um, is with, with the growth, again, I'll go back to Cardiff. What do you think will be the biggest challenge to get though? Because Cardiff, obviously, we're, I, I'm going to assume here, I don't know, you tell me if I'm wrong, I, the majority of the roles might be around technology. If they are, do those skills already exist within that region? Yep. Yep. So, so look, let me, what we've managed to do in Cardiff, um, and in some ways it's with what JP Barker's done already in just trying to have focus and, and where did we actually want it to grow? So we've already gone from 200 to getting close to 500 just in the last couple of years. So with a sort of focus and a desire to grow, invest and build, we've managed to do that. But a lot of it comes down to understanding the skills and capabilities you want to your point, Scott, about technology. Then how do you partner with either other organizations or third sector organizations like universities or further education colleges? How do you work with them to help them build the skills? And that's why actually working with the local ecosystem is important because, you know, as we've done in Manchester, when we went there and we said we want technology jobs going into there, Actually, the first response from other employers was, oh, no, they're going to come and raid our technology people. Mm. And we said, no, no, no. The intention here is to actually build in aggregate. So we want to grow the overall ecosystem of technology capability. So we partnered with Salford University. And we then also partnered with a number of other local organizations. And we said, let's all work together to identify the skills that are needed, then work with the university to build that skill and then all of a sudden, we've all got more people to choose from. That's beneficial for everyone. So I think a lot of it, to your point about the challenge, the, cha- the challenge lies in how do you get the partnerships working between business, academia, and local government to actually influence and grow these, these skills, capabilities, and then create the jobs. Wow. Yeah. Powerful. I, I think so, right? Yeah. I think it's it's for me the strength is in the ecosystems right and actually then for you know for the listeners of this how do they plug in and understand where are those skills that are needed elsewhere how can we get how can i get involved in that how can i understand the link that i'd have get my education right to then align with the job that is then going to be needed it's to your point earlier you mentioned around you know it's not going to come to you yeah go out and get it exactly understand what the local market is and that then plays all the way back this is almost happening like we, we intended it to, Scott. But it almost all the way comes back to purpose, yep. right? Because actually, if you go back, you go, right, what is it that the local region needs? Well, it needs local wealth. If you take, you know, let me give you another example just briefly. If you take out to Yorkshire and Humber, the history of, of Humber was massively around shipping and uh, and fishing and all of that sort of area. Actually, where that can evolve towards because of the very high winds that are just off the Yorkshire coast, yeah, actually the wind power generation is huge. So actually the Yorkshire and Humber strategic plan is how do I make that into a massive power generation area? So all of a sudden, the skills that are going to be needed in Yorkshire and Humber is not going to be about fishing. 
or other sort of degrees of, of engineering or manufacturing, it could suddenly be about they need the scientists, they need the wind power engineers, the turbine engineers to make sure the power's coming in properly and then it gets into the grid. So again, it's thinking about the local economy and what does the local economy need? That's how I can plug into that. Yeah. I think that key point around it coming through the schools and up through the unis and then to the employers, that like that is key, isn't it? If we can get that working. Definitely. Um, just to conclude the um, the podcast for today, our episode, we always like to end on the same question. Um, so, Carl, what advice would you give your younger selves? Um, so, thinking about maybe 10, 15 years ago, um, and what would you, what, yeah, what advice would you give yourself? Uh, well, if I went back 10, 15 years, probably not far enough back, Charlotte. I probably need to go back. I probably need to go back over 20 years. So, thank, thanks for making me feel old again. <laughs> Um, so, so look, what would I, what advice would I give myself? I think it links to a couple of comments, right? It's very much be as inquisitive as you possibly can be. And then once you are inquisitive and you see opportunities, grab them. Um, there are many opportunities I think that come along in life and unless you grab them and grab them wholeheartedly and throw yourself in, you won't quite get everything from them. And so I would just say, be brave in doing that. Don't don't be afraid to make mistakes. We all do. That's how you learn. But you've got to grab those opportunities. Brilliant. That's fantastic. I think, I know that Scott and I found it so interesting. I, and the fact that you're still so passionate now, Carl, about researching things and looking into them, I think that's really good for our listeners to hear as well. So thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'm sure it's given the listeners um, some really great insight into what we're doing as a firm in terms of our community's environment and also just to find that key thing, a career with purpose that we know everyone's looking for at the minute. That brings us to the end of the episode. So I just wanted to thank Carl you so much for joining us today. I know that our listeners will have found your insights and your experience so helpful for them, particularly in thinking about having a career with a purpose. We really hope everyone listening has enjoyed the episode as much as Scott and I. Don't forget, though, you can listen to previous episodes of Series 1, 2 and 3 by heading over to Let's Chat Careers Advice on Spotify, Apple Music or by typing it in your web browser. If you're interested in exploring careers at PwC, don't forget to head over to our website, pwc.co.uk forward slash careers. We just wanted to thank you for listening. Take care and have a good day.